Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and this is the Jets podcast on 24-7 Sports, the off-season podcast, as you will get our opinions about the New York Jets through the OTAs and, of course, the players coming in and out and everything else going on with the team. Along with Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Rick, uh, two major things to talk about uh, on this podcast. Number one, we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, it really is amazing to see how Le'Veon Bell uh, basically decided to be the better person in this whole fiasco with Adam Gaze. Now, obviously, Adam Gaze is having communication with with uh, Le'Veon Bell and all the players that were brought over from free agency. Obviously, Adam Gaze did not care that Le'Veon Bell uh, decided to do off-season workouts back in Florida until he did come up for the OTAs right now, which are mandatory at this point in time. Um, you know, I give Le'Veon Bell a lot of credit for coming in and absolutely just blowing away all expectations about what he is going to do for the Jets in this 2019 season. And it's funny because Le'Veon Bell, he grew up a Jets fan. He even admits that within his own family, he was the black sheep in the family when it came to an NFL team rooting interest that he always loved the Jets. And when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, we of course know the drama that played out in the Steel City. You saw Antonio Brown with the infighting with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell sitting out last year, partly uh, due to contract concerns, partly to get himself healthy. And now, you know, he said, again, he did his family proud by the years he played in Pittsburgh at a Pro Bowl level. They couldn't be more proud of him to make their childhood team uh, and play for them. But now Le'Veon Bell is an opportunity for a fresh start in New York, a Jets team that we saw, of course, the unveiling of these brand-new uniforms, which I have to admit, Daniel, I wasn't a huge fan of at the start, but they're starting to grow on me. So I think when training camps rolls around, certainly the regular season rolls around, I might have to head over to NFL Shop and pick my uh, pick up uh, either a Jamal Adams or a Le'Veon Bell jersey or what have you. But nonetheless, to have Le'Veon Bell, just to get a little buzz around the team to have him back for what you mentioned uh, regarding uh, mini camp is a positive for the Jets. And I think the more that Le'Veon Bell can get acclimated, the more you see these videos of Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell joking along the sidelines, that's kind of going to kind of quell some of that talk that Adam Gase never really wanted Le'Veon Bell here in the first place. Cause I, I am a true believer that that wasn't the case. I think Adam Gase, look, he's a guy that wants control over the roster. There's no secret about that, that, ousting Mike McCagnin was in part trying to get Adam Gase to have a guy that had his same philosophy and his same thought on building the roster. And I don't think he had anything personal against Le'Veon Bell. I just think he felt there were cheaper cost alternatives that were available. Tevon Coleman, who was formerly with the Atlanta Falcons, they could have had him as a running back instead of Le'Veon Bell. So, Again, I think that Bell has put a lot of those personal issues aside. He's happy to be in New York. I think Adam Gase is happy that he's a Jet. And for Jet fans, it's going to be an exciting training camp period because, again, it's a new offense. It's a new year, new uniforms. Everything's going to be fresh and new, and the Jets have to translate that into wins on the football field in 2019. And I think what we were expecting was this type of person in Le'Veon Bell – 
to come in, fresh start, as you said, uh, to come to the Jets, the team that wanted him, a team that wanted him to come in. You know, look, there's no way he was going to get $100 million from the Jets. I think the Jets knew that they were not going to give up that type of money and spend and squander on one player and one player only their entire salary cap space on Le'Veon Bell. What they did, and at the time, what Mike McCagnon did was shrewd business. He was able to get the players that he needed to give out the proper amount of money guaranteed, and then you go after your big prize free agent, which was Le'Veon Bell. He got him for the money that they wanted to get him for. And the truth is, is that Le'Veon Bell said, you know what? I got to admit, my plan didn't work. The Jets want me. The Jets are the only team that wants me. It's a good price. I'm coming in, and I'm ready to go. And look what happened. Look what's going on, you know, OTAs, the mandatory minicamp, the mandatory OTAs right now. He's off to a great start with not just Adam Gaze, but with Sam Darnold. He's also on a great start with the media. And that's what you want, Rick. You want a guy that wants to come here. You want a guy that truly wants to be here. Now, obviously, he wants to be. He, he would like to be wanted somewhere. And he realized that, look, I can't pass this up. I've got to come to the Jets. And look how happy he is. Look at the smile he has on his face. Look at how he talked to the media. And look at how he's interacted with his new teammates, not just on offense, but on defense. And just wonderful things coming from Le'Veon Bell that I think we all knew he was going to bring with that personality. And look, these are all the positives, and we can wax poetic about Le'Veon Bell and how he's going to be a young quarterback's best friend and Sam Darnold. I mean, the all-around, talk about a jack-of-all-trades, a guy that can do it all. He's the ultimate safety blanket out of the backfield that's going to make Sam Darnold's job a heck of a lot easier the one thing that's not as rosy as it seems is that, you know, there are going to be some bumps along the road, I think, with Sam Darnold acclimating himself to this new offense with Adam Gase. I mean, following some of the practice reports, and look, this is the silly season. This is a time when they're installing the offense. Uh, not only does Sam Darnold need to understand it, but he needs to run it and teach it to all his teammates. So he's, according to a lot of the media reports, has had, you know, some growing pains with the offense, which is understandable. But I think that ultimately, again, having a veteran presence in Le'Veon Bell, having a coach in Adam Gase who has a reputation as a quarterback whisperer is clearly was hired with the thought in mind that he could be the guy that could groom and mentor Sam Darnold into a Pro Bowl quarterback and install finally an offense that isn't going to be a bottom third in the league. And the Jets made major strides this season to go in that direction to try to get themselves and crack the top 15 the top as far as offense is concerned. But, again, it's, it's a stepping stone. It's not going to happen immediately. I know Jet fans are accustomed to and really programmed that they want immediate results. But just look for Sam Darnold as minicamp progresses, as training camp heats up, and certainly when the regular season gets underway. All you can hope for is that he is slowly and steadily progressing in the offense feeling more comfortable, understanding what Adam Gase is trying to do with him. And as the season goes along, you just hope that you see a young quarterback improving and the light switch goes on and he eventually figures it out for himself and he becomes a Pro Bowl quarterback. But, again, I, you know, I think 
as far as Le'Veon Bell is concerned, I think he is going to be a major centerpiece within this offense, and that is part of what Adam Gase has been doing this week. He's been talking to Le'Veon Bell as far as from the run scheme standpoint, what plays that he ran in Pittsburgh, what plays he'd like to run in New York. So as much as people are trying to make much ado about nothing, about Adam Gase really not, quote-unquote, wanting Le'Veon Bell here, Gase understands that he has a system that he put in place and he has a philosophy but he has to maximize the talent of the, of the players that are within that system. So he's in Sam Darnold's ear talking to him about what type of plays he likes to run, where, where he's comfortable, if he's comfortable rolling out right, rolling out left, all the little nuances of the game. You have a first-year head coach, a second-year quarterback, and Le'Veon Bell in his first couple of weeks with the Jets. I would just urge Jet fans to be patient. I know it's difficult, but you have to be patient with this this trio who's coming, uh, you know, who could be arguably the top, uh, you know, the top forces on the offensive side of the ball, at least in the AFC. It's not going to happen from day one, though. It needs a couple of years to come together. No, I agree with you, Rick. And, I mean, there's going to be patience right now. I mean, there has to be patience. And we understand there's going to be some impatient moments going forward here. But still, though, there has to be some form of patience with this Jets team. All these great pieces coming together and putting the Jets forward. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to see the Jets starting to look like a better team. Starting to look like maybe more of a better team going forward on the field. That is what you need. That is what has to happen. And all you can do is just sit back, watch what happens, and you know what? Maybe the Jets will surprise some people. I mean, some people are already predicting them to make the playoffs, and that's fine. That's fine. You know what? I think they can make the playoffs too. But we need to see what's going to happen during this entire season because there's still going to be some moments where Jets might have a problem with chemistry Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But still, though, we got to make sure to see what this Jets team is going to do when they uh, go out. Uh, you know, just 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 to you know when they're they're making this these uh, big games and making these big runs. And, Daniel, look, I know, for one, you're happy to see Le'Veon Bell in a Jet uniform. You understand that the stars have aligned. He's landed in New York. It's the right place for him. It's his childhood team that he grew up rooting for. One player, which I thought was newsworthy, and, of course, he hosts the the afternoon show with Maggie Gray as well as Chris Carlin of WFAN in New York, and that being former Jet and former Raven Bart Scott, he had some choice words for Le'Veon Bell, and there was the report – that came out earlier this week, which you and I talked about before the start of the show, Daniel, about Le'Veon Bell reportedly having about $520,000 worth of jewelry stolen from his home. Um, And, you know, the report came out that Le'Veon Bell had not a girlfriend, but girlfriends at his house. And Bart Scott was questioning Le'Veon Bell's lifestyle and basically saying, you know, why does he have that unbelievable amount of money at his house in the form of jewelry? You know, why is he going to pick up uh, these random, quote-unquote, girlfriends, either at a nightclub or wherever? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. 
Absolutely, Rick. Is one of the faces, uh, that's if the not big... the face. Mm-hmm. He is one Go of ahead. the faces of the Jets, if not the face of the Jets, and he has to conduct himself in a professional manner. So I think Bart Scott, a guy that even during his playing days wasn't afraid to call out his teammates, wasn't afraid to call people out. He, in a way, is calling out Le'Veon Bell for basically, you know, he has a rap album that he put out. He basically is saying, you're, you know, as much as you think you're an entertainer, uh, you have to conduct yourself as a veteran leader on this team and, and not necessarily be worried about womanizing and putting out rap albums and, and buying lavish jewelry. That he, he better, you know, get himself ready to go, trained this summer so he can show up and be a Pro Bowl caliber player because that's really all Jet fans care about they want him to be a centerpiece in helping them win football games no i agree with you there rick and you know once again maybe that is the one flaw he's been showing so far but you know i think that once the season begins and once he shows uh his his brilliance out there like he did for pittsburgh like he'll do for the jets i think it's all going to go away and i think that's all we're asking for here look there's been a lot of shenanigans going on during uh this off season after the draft before the draft, during the draft, after the draft, uh, to see, you know, what's going to happen with this Jets team. And I'd like to believe we'll get some clarity soon once we get into um, uh, being hiring a brand-new general manager, which leads, uh, you know, we segue into that discussion today. You know, the New York Jets right now have a second round of interviews with all four uh, candidates, five candidates, six Seven could be ten. We don't know. There might be some uh, candidates that we're not aware of. Of course, uh, the list is to replace Mike McCagnin as general manager, who was, of course, um, fired by Christopher Johnson. Uh, At the moment, these people are basically Joe Douglas, the Eagles' vice president of player personnel, Scott Fitterer, uh, the co-director of player personnel from the Seattle Seahawks. There's Champ Kelly who's the assistant director of player personnel, the Chicago Bears. Terry Fontenot, uh, director of pro scouting for the New Orleans Saints. And finally, of course, there's George Patton, who's the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, obviously, one of these five men are going to take over as general manager of the New York Jets and will uh, give up the interim position from Adam Gaze. All I can say is, is this, Rick, is that While we're still upset with the timing of the firing of Mike McCagnin, the truth is uh, they better get the right guy or else this whole thing's going to – whoops. They better get the right guy or else the whole thing's going to fall apart quickly. Yeah, and certainly. And I think that, again, if you ask Adam Gates, gun to his head, the guy that he has in mind is Joe Douglas. They have a working relationship going back to their time with the Chicago Bears. And, you know, it's funny because the New York Jets, and I questioned this from the start, that they basically handed the keys to the franchise to a young head coach with a losing record in the NFL with so much left to prove. Uh, You know, you're not talking about a Super Bowl winning coach. You're talking about a guy there that essentially was in a really dysfunctional situation in Miami, had fights with the owner, couldn't find a stable quarterback, a franchise quarterback to lead the team. And, you know, he made the most of what was a tricky situation down there in South Florida. And Christopher Johnson, look, you know, we've said it time and time again, Jan- Daniel, he is not exactly a football whisperer. He, he's not allowing the football people to make the football decisions. And what scares me, and I'm sure it scares you too, Daniel, is the idea that Christopher Johnson is really hiring and paying Adam Gates for what he thinks he can do 
as opposed to what he has already accomplished in the NFL. And, you know, that can be a scary proposition a lot of times because, again, he can be as creative an offensive mind as there is. He can be a quarterback guru amongst the players that think that he does a fantastic job of preparing them to play. But if he's not going to translate that into wins for this franchise, a team that has been basically starved of wins and starved of playoff appearances over the past decade, uh, he is going to be a one-and-done coach in New York. So I think ultimately Adam Gase, from what little I know about him, he wants to be in control. He wants say over the roster. He wants a like-minded individual to help handpick the players that are going to be a part of the system. And that to me uh, says that mm-hmm. hiring because Christopher Johnson brought him in here, I think he's going to allow him to have the autonomy to basically give the go-ahead to hire Joe Douglas. So I would expect that hiring to come in the next week or two. And Jet fans, again, whether they're happy or not, this is the course the Jets have chosen, and now they kind of have to live with it. Well, here's the one thing that I, I want to go to Peter Schrager from Fox Sports as well as Good Morning Football on NFL Network. I mean, he thinks that Champ Kelly of the Bears could be that, uh, you know, that, that hidden talent uh, to maybe become a general manager for an NFL team. And he thinks that the New York Jets, should really invest their time with Champ Kelly, uh, you know, currently still with the Chicago Bears until, uh, you know, there's an official uh, word coming from uh, Florham Park that the Jets have hired their general manager. I mean, it sounds like Joe Douglas is the eventual uh, person to have the position, but I I wonder what, you know, if that's a curveball. I I wonder if there's going to be a curveball thrown here to see who's going to get hired. I mean, I know Joe Douglas knows Adam Gaze and his time, in, uh, you know, you know, I guess when they were in Chicago, I guess. I don't know if he knew Champ Kelly uh, over in Chicago or somewhere else, but the truth is, is that, you know, sometimes if it's a guy that you know, but, you know, you feel like he's not the right one to take the position, then you got to go with someone else that you think that you have a better relationship with. And, you know, if Joe Douglas is not the man, then it doesn't hurt to go with, I would say, maybe the next best person. Will that be Champ uh, Kelly? I don't know. But if they feel that uh, he is, then by all means, go for it. If you don't feel it's not him, it's Scott Fitterer, go for it. If not, if it's Terry Fontenot, go for it. If not, if it's George Patton, go for it. But the one thing I want to make clear is this, Rick, is that I don't want to have, um, I don't want to have Adam Gaze all of a sudden hire a general manager, then fire the general manager, hire the new general manager, fire that one, hire a new one, fire and fire that one because you make one slip up and it's over. We we, we you know general managers are not a dime a dozen. You got to pick the right person that fits what you want from him, from, from not just your head coach, but from your owner, everyone has to be on the same page. You can't just pick one, throw them away, pick another one, throw it away, pick another one, throw it away. No. You've got to make sure you've got the right guy coming in for the right situation. And that's all we're asking here for, Rick. Daniel, I 100% agree, but I also feel that Adam Gase is going to be heavily involved in this general manager's hiring. And I think as the Jets go, it's how this tenure as a head coach is going to go. And this regime, whoever he ends up bringing, whether it's Champ Kelly or uh, Joe Douglas, which are going to be basically Adam Gase hirings with Christopher Johnson's approval, 
that essentially the Jets could be in a situation two years from now if they haven't made the playoffs this coming season or the following year where the Jets are just cleaning house because he's going to be uh, a guy in Joe Douglas or Champ Kelly left over from the Adam Gase regime. So uh, the Jets have to be careful in this regard because, you know, what I found in my time covering the NFL is that whether you talk about coaches, players, this is really a fraternity on a grand scale. And by that, I mean, you have coaches that have a familiarity with each other that have coached uh, all the way up through the college ranks, the professional ranks, the, uh, as, as coordinators, as special assistants, uh, as quality control coaches. So they develop a bond with each other and a familiarity and an understanding of what, how they want to motivate and how they want to build the team. And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, Adam Gase is making a strong recommendation for a couple of these candidates for the Jets to bring in, which is all fine and dandy. But again, until the results follow, until the Jets start piling up wins and playoff appearances and, dare I say, Super Bowl appearances, uh, this means nothing to the fan base. It just essentially shows you that Christopher Johnson is entrusting a very unproven commodity at the head coaching position to not only lead his team, but to be instrumental in hiring the general manager that can dictate not only how the roster looks uh, in 2020 and beyond, but we've seen with bad drafting, whether when it was John Idzik uh, at the helm when they tried to basically fit him in with Rex Ryan, how many draft busts there were. Uh, this could be a decision that could haunt the Jets for not just in the next two years of Adam Gase and one of those candidates is here, but the next five years because, again, wasting time and wasting uh, resources on draft picks that don't pan out uh, those are not easy things to overcome as an organization. You know, if the Jets, again, with the, their most recent draft pick of Quinn and Williams, if they swing and miss at him, uh, the you know, at the number six overall pick, uh, that is something that is going to take a long time for them to recover from. So you only hope that Adam Gase knows what he's doing, that Christopher Johnson, as much as we don't think he's a football person, he at least can evaluate talent and can see that Adam Gase is a capable coach and trusts his ability to hire a general manager. Because if not – we're going to find ourselves in the same situation two years later as we were this offseason where the Jets were first looking for a new coach and then had a coup that essentially ousted the general manager, and they replaced both positions within the last six months. You know, well, once again, I, I just feel like that you, you can't just hire a general manager by himself. You can't hire a head coach by himself. you got to have – brand new people coming in at the same time because if everything's going wrong, both men must go. It can't be one or the other. And once again, it's a situation where I just feel that Chris, Christopher Johnson is acting like a novice owner. Um, and, you know, he's just basically being a caretaker owner for Woody until he returns from the United Kingdom as an ambassador in the, in the Donald Trump um, administration. So until that happens, for now, we're kind of stuck with the situation. But you know what? I, I've said this as well. And if Christopher Johnson, if he did make the right move, then, you know, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take the words back. I'll take everything back. I'll say, you know what, Christopher Johnson, you saw more than what the New York media saw, what we saw. You felt you had to make a change now. You wanted to do it now. You felt the timing was right that to get rid of Mike McCagnan, you want to bring in somebody fresh and new. That's fine. If you can go and not only have a 9-10 to win season, make a big playoff run. If you can make the Super Bowl, 
and possibly win it, I will eat my words and I will praise Christopher Johnson for this big time move that he made before we get underway with preseason and training camp uh, back in July and August. And it's funny because fellow Jet fan Joe Beningo, of course, the co-host of the Joe and Evan show on WFAN, had basically said he is not going to be satisfied until the Jets get to and win a Super Bowl. That even if the Jets, which I thought was a little harsh and a little extreme, even if the Jets this season under Adam Gase advanced to the AFC title game, he said he's still not going to be convinced that Adam Gase is the coach of uh, of the future because he said he's seen this movie before. He saw it with Rex Ryan in his first two years, how the team made the AFC conference title game and basically disappeared into oblivion the final four years of Rex's uh, tenure here. So, again, I-, I can understand from a Jet fan perspective why you're cautiously optimistic or, dare I say, pessimistic about this hiring because, you know, the Jets, when they have first-year head coaches, they seem to get off to a great start. There's renewed optimism around the team, think that he could be the leader of the future, and then they kind of come crashing back down to earth. And I think what you said, Daniel, rings true is the fact that the Jets are trying to at least have a shared vision of what the team will look like between the head coach and general manager and trying to instead of trying to force a square peg into a round hole, which they've tried to do in the past. So at least from that standpoint, you have to feel a little more comfortable. But for me, again, I'm kind of in the same boat as Joe Beningo. I won't go to that extreme, but, you know, Adam Gase is in a situation where, you know, he has to just shut up and prove it. He has to prove his worth. And, you know, I think he is getting a lot of criticism. And I think a lot of it is deservedly so based on his track record, but if he does coach this team to the playoffs or in a deep playoff run, I know you'll be happy, I'll be happy, and I'll be ready to eat my words because, again, I think that uh, this Jets team, they're in dire need of a playoff berth, and this fan base is just starved for some January football. Absolutely, and that's all we want, and that's all we're looking for. We want to see the Jets succeed. Without a doubt, we want to see the New York Jets succeed, and we want to see Adam Gase prove, once again, prove that he will be the one, not for one year, not for two years, but for three, four, and five even more years, that he is the one that's going to lead this team into positive records, playoffs every year, make the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl. Until then, right now, there's a lot of doubt. I know some fans believe that uh, there's no doubt, but there are those that believe there are. So we have to make sure that that particular doubt is cleared and clarity sets in. Before we say goodbye, Rick, real quick, um, Muhammad Wilkerson was pulled over about a week ago, I believe, uh, for a DUI in Washington Heights in Upper Manhattan. Uh, He ran a stop sign. He uh, was drunk, bloodshot eyes. He admitted to having a beer and two shots. And uh, even though he's been, uh, you know, removed from the jail, he set bail for himself and uh, walked down his own recognizance. It goes to show you what future this man should have had, the fall from grace he had, and, um, you know, he's got nobody to blame but himself. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a sad story for a guy that was looked upon as a, a locker room leader, a solid, outstanding citizen. I mean, before he signed that lucrative mega contract with the Jets, he never had any type of off-the-field issues. You you rarely heard of Muhammad Wilkerson. He was a man of a few words, always was uh, – I remember listening to him on WFAN 
the Joe and Evan show uh, were basically, again, you know, he wasn't the most riveting interview, but he never said anything that was uh, controversial. He was always a team guy. Um, guys looked up to him as a, a veteran locker room presence and a leader. And just those last couple of seasons in New York just seemed like after he got that big payday that he mentally checked out that he just, you know, his will and his desire to play wasn't there. He wasn't a leader. He wasn't leading by example. He was showing up late to meetings. There was a whole host of issues there. And it's just such a sad thing to see, especially for such a talented player, a guy, you know, that Rex Ryan clearly had on his radar during the draft period and proved at least in his first few years that he was as good as a defensive end as the Jets have had. And for him to let that talent go to waste, for him to have some mental issues as far as uh, trying to get his head on the right track, it's just so sad to see because you wanted to at least have him have a nice end to his career, even if it's in Green Bay or elsewhere. And now at the fact that, again, he had locker room issues with the Jets, he was one and done in Green Bay. Uh, he has now this uh, DUI that he has to deal with, and he's, what, 30, 31 years of age. I mean, he is going to be mm-hmm. hard-pressed to find any work in the NFL uh, given this situation. And it's just sad to see for a guy that's as talented uh, and as much of a leader during that period when the Jets drafted him as he was. And I'm not sure what went wrong along the line, but uh, just a lesson learned between him and, my, and uh, Sheldon Richardson that the Jets uh, unfortunately got two talented defensive stars that just didn't have a good head on their shoulders and couldn't handle the, the stardom and the fame and everything that came with being an NFL player and a star player in New York. Exactly, Rick. As the New York Jets, you know, unfortunately they got fooled. He fooled everybody. And, um, that's all you can do. That's all you can say. You know, he did it all on his own. And unfortunately, he has nobody to blame but himself. And that's a shame because, you know, if you would have kept Damon Harrison, of course, also known as Snacks, he probably would have been the better choice to stay. But they went with Muhammad Wilkerson. And at that time, that was the right choice. But unfortunately, he proved everybody wrong. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is do for the Jets podcast on 247sports.com, the New York Jets podcast will continue on during the off season and then we'll get ready for the reviewing of the preseason games in august and then of course we get ready for the regular season that starts the weekend after labor day for rick lockland i'm daniel Foyerstein. this has been the jets podcast on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com we will talk to you next time in the off season take care so long and bye bye for now